Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, and I'm also the founder of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm your health and wellness matchmaker. Before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to see you there. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a wonderful woman. Her name is Susie LeVan. She's an author and as she likes to call herself, a chief soul officer. I love that title. But her her story truly gave me chills. She's taking us through her near-death experience, how that's changed her life, and how she's empowering others. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I am so excited to be joined by Susie LeVan. She is an author and a chief soul officer. I love that name, (laughs) but I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about what exactly that means and more about her and her story. Hi, Susie. Hey, Tanika. How are you? Looking forward to being here with you. Thanks so much for being here. Well, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about you, your story, and what you do? Well, back in 1988, Tanika, my life changed radically. Um, I had just been married to the love of my life. We were married for three months. Um, That was the the happiest day of my life. But unfortunately, 90 days later, December 21st, 1988, date I'll never forget as well, is when three gunmen came into our home looking to rob the bank. My husband was CEO of a local bank at the time. Three gunmen with automatic weapons, wearing red, white, and blue. And I had a seven-year-old at home with the housekeeper and they came in with the intention of of, um, delivering a plant because it was Christmas week. So of course they unlocked the door, they turned off the alarm, opened the door and boom, now they're in the house and we're not even home. And so unfortunately, until about 10 o'clock, these three men are in the house with my housekeeper and a seven-year-old. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, when you think about um, moments of life-changing situations, you know, it's, I always say I've been very lucky to be able to turn a trauma into a tipping point into action. And that's what really what the last 32 years of my life have been. Um, because... Just like now, life is full of ups and downs. We don't even know what's happening next. Um, We have emotional highs. We have gut-wrenching lows. We have challenges. I mean, we don't even want to begin that conversation because, you know, there's so many people with so many challenges. But fact is that, and as I said, I say to so, so many people, because I'm also a life coach, is that life will never be the same again. No matter how, when we get back to it. Truth is, life will never be the same again, because it's, that's just what change is all about. Change is constant, and you have to adapt. 
so they tell my husband not to worry that they're not going to harm us that when we finally get home that they um, are looking to just rob the bank and he's going to fill the bag with money in the morning and that's it. So of course now it's five o'clock in the morning. They tell us to get up, get dressed. And they tell me to get dressed with my daughter. And we're in an upstairs uh, bedroom, which is her bedroom. And um, of course I haven't slept all night. And I think I'm Columbo the whole time I'm thinking about, let me hear their voices. Let me see what they're wearing. Is there a gun on the left side? Is it on the right side? You know, I'm just picking up on all of this because I'm thinking to myself, as soon as we get, when they get wherever they need to be, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them all this stuff, right? Well, P.S., they tell us to come down the stairs and um, they want me to turn Alan's car around because we had driven in. And so, so it's now pitch black outside. In those days, telephones were hanging in the car. You didn't have a cell phone. And imagine the fear that I've got of wanting to dial 911 while I'm in the car, but of course, two guys are watching me do this. So I turn the car around, I now back up, back it into the front door, and they say to me, and, and my daughter is now downstairs as well, all right, both of you get in the car. Now that hadn't even crossed my mind. So I go and I open the back door and they said to me, oh no, 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 you're not going in the car, you're going in the trunk. Now imagine these children in today's environment mm. after 10 minutes are dead from no oxygen in a car that's you know left in the sun. So now we're going in the trunk of the car. So I think I had a little angel over me at the time saying something because immediately trying to create as less uh, an amount of fear for my daughter and not traumatize her. What I said to her was, guess what? We're playing hide and go seek. Okay, you'll be with mommy. All the while, I am freaking out inside. All the while, I've got sweat coming down in all parts. All the while thinking, we're going to be left to die here, right? And I am just a nervous wreck. But I'm doing everything in my power to act very calm, very serene, very, very together, because I don't want this child to be traumatized. While we're in the trunk of the car, they start driving, and um, they, you could hear the clippity-cloppity-clippity-cloppity of the road, and every time they would break, you could see a little light, because it was pitch black in the trunk. And thank God, there was oxygen actually coming up from the bottom of the car, so we could get a little bit of air. Until the point of time they had driven and driven and driven and driven. We were in Coral Gables down in Miami. And uh, I, we had no, I had no idea where they were going to take us. Um, now, the bank that my husband worked in was in Fort Lauderdale, which he drove to every single day. So at some point in time, they, they stopped driving. Now, they had taken my, my jewelry, my watch, everything that uh, was near and dear to me that I was wearing at the time. They finally stopped, and um, while we were driving, I was singing songs, I was telling her stories, I was rubbing her back. She needed to eat, she needed to go to the bathroom, she was tired. She was like, Mom, I've had it with this hide-and-go-seek, when are we getting out of here? Because, you know, that's what she believed. And I was, like I say, doing everything, trying to keep her um, calm. So when they finally stopped the car, I decided you know what, Let, why don't we just close our eyes? I'm thinking we're going to die of asphyxiation. 
inside this trunk now that it's not moving. So what came to me is let's take a nap. I know that I didn't sleep the night before. I know she probably would be ready to nap. And she said, okay. So a few seconds later, I could hear her, you know, her breathing change a little bit. So I knew she was asleep. I did not plan on napping. I began to pray. I literally began to pray and I prayed the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he maketh me want, right? Mm -hmm. And after I, I stopped praying the 23rd Psalm, at the end I said, God, if you can hear me, please take me. I'm prepared to die to let my daughter live. And in seconds, Tanika, I literally left my physical body and started leaving my spirit, left my head, and I was totally in this bright light, this tunnel of light, where you can hear beautiful sounds. I can see beautiful lights, and I am just whooshing at a million miles a minute towards this tunnel. Wow. Now, in 1988, I had no idea what, what a near-death experience was, or a tunnel of light, or even that I would pray the 23rd Psalm. And people ask me all the time, what made you pray that? And I would say, well, I've gone to many funerals, and it always seemed to be the prayer that they would pray at the funeral. And I'm thinking, this is our coffin. So now I'm swooshing and whooshing at a million miles a minute towards this tunnel of light up to the point to where I stop. And I am now surrounded by beautiful beings of light who are telepathically speaking to me and giving me instructions and telling me everything's going to be okay. And that um, look down, my daughter, you could see, because I asked, where's my daughter? Am I dead? You know, I was speaking to them telepathically and they were giving me all sorts of information. I actually looked down and there we were in fetal positions, literally with our eyes closed in the trunk of the car. And on the right side of me, I could feel this very powerful energy. And that energy turned out to be Archangel Michael. He told me that he had been with me, protecting and guiding and watching over me for many lifetimes. And that I would come back to help women in this lifetime. Now, up to that point, by the way, I was working as chief operating officer of a public company for 16 years, which was 100% male dominated. Mm. So empowering women was a shock into itself to think like, what and how was I going to do that? I had no idea. Yeah, now, that I wasn't had, part uh, of what you were really doing at well, that point. Not at all. It wasn't yeah. even something I'd ever thought of. And um, I got a life review up to that moment in time, I was 38 years old and a white screen showed up. And from that moment, the minute I was born to up to that moment, it was like a, 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 a movie, literally. Uh, and all the, all, the, all the shots were individual and I got to see who I hurt, who I, who I loved, wow. who cared for me, who lied to me, um, who I forgave. And all, this, all the little things that you think that a slight Okay, or a look, or a statement, a judgment, even a thought, the power of the thought was coming through this white screen with my life review. It was powerful. I mean, palpable to a way that it changed, it has changed my life and the way I live. Immediately, I said, am I dead? Am I not? Am I never coming back? What's, you know, after they spent whatever amount of time they were telepathically putting stuff in my head they said no no you will you will not you're not dying you're coming you're coming back and 
as quickly as I went up, I am now literally whooshing all the way back. So the tunnel is now inverted, and I'm like, shh. So I'm now coming back into my physical body, and all of a sudden, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a sound, and goes like this, boom. My daughter, who had been napping, now wakes up with this sound, and she goes, "Mommy, what is, what is that? There's an opening in the ceiling, in the roof of this trunk, the size of a baseball, Tanika." where oxygen is now pouring in through this, through this um, opening, oxygen, where there was no oxygen before. You could see the little particles literally flying in. We could see the blue sky. We could see the clouds. We could see the telephone wires. And I say to my daughter, Lauren, a seven-year-old, mommy was just with God and the angels. And this is the miracle to allow us to live and to survive. And of course, what would a seven-year-old say? I thought we were playing hide and go seek. Right. None of that really connected with her because mm. she was napping. Right. So I said, yeah, we were playing hide and go seek, but look, look up. And, and I wanted to put my fingers through that so badly because she saw it first. And then I looked up and there it was. It was like looking at a, an eyeball, right? Where God has given us this gift to survive. Now, a little while later, we hear cars careening, and it turns out it was the police and the FBI and, and all sorts of you know news and whatever. They pop open the trunk, of course, my husband thinking we would have already been dead five hours later. Five hours. And, five hours, and we jump out like a jack-in-the-box out of the trunk. Of course, sweaty, but we're, we're alive. And everybody's faces are like their, you know, their mouth yeah. dropped, like how can, she, how can they be alive? So when they start closing the trunk, I went to finger to show him where the hole was in the trunk to keep us alive. Gone. Not there. Miraculously disappeared because it was for us to survive and for no one else to see. Wow. Beginning of incredible changes from that moment on. So I suffered for two years with post-traumatic stress disorder I had, um, um, I mean, just facing death in that way changed me um, because I really felt fear. I felt terror. My, my life had been upended, obviously. I lived with Wackenhut guards now for 24 hours a day around my house. I never went back to my home, by the way, which I lived in for six years before my husband moved in with us. Mm -hmm. And um, so I lived in a, in a hotel until we found a house. And so there's so many changes that were going on. I never went back to work, um, which was my career for 16 years, because I was no longer the same person. Right. I, I now knew I had a purpose and, mm. a, and, and a gift, but I had to get past the fear. I had to get past the post-traumatic stress. I had to get past so... I was very lucky and I had a lot of physical pain because the stress of it all and the anxiety of it all, and anxiety of it at all created excruciating psychological pain, mental pain, emotional pain. And I mean, really, I could hardly function. I cried most of the time. I was in a rage most of the time. I couldn't sleep. And by the way, people who knew me really didn't understand because from the outside, right. I looked exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't describe to them what, was, what happened and what went on. They just didn't get it. 
And so I was lucky enough to find an amazing um, hypnotherapist and pastoral counselor who knew a lot about um, near-death experiences and spirituality and metaphysics. And without her, I don't think I could have survived um, or even or even healed. Right. And so um, she really taught me how to walk back into life and to um, get in touch with the messages that were given to me while I was on the other side. And through hypnosis, <clears throat> I connected with those messages. Up until then, they were like all jammed up in there out of, you know, just the fear of it all. At what point did you realize, okay, I now have a different purpose and this is what it is? Did that take a lot of time? Well, I had about two years of, of counseling okay. and it, all with little baby steps, even to make the appointment. All mm -hmm. right. Because I was so stuck in the, in, in the fear and, you know, um, even counseling and therapy was not part of my something we'd ever done, even in my family. So it was very foreign. Um, and, you know, it took a lot of courage, honestly, for me to get up, to um, get dressed even to drive my car. I hadn't driven in, in all that time because I was wow. terrified that they were going to finish the job. I was able to forgive the kidnappers, mm. to see them also at, in a different light, to realize that um, I needed to learn also to accept things as is with new eyes and grow from there. And now to be able to come back and teach what I had learned to others. And that was part of the empowering women. Now, of course, I didn't have the credentials to do that. I didn't know what to do. And so my, um, my therapist, Suzanne, taught me meditation, which without meditation, I don't think I could, could have survived. It right. was a very powerful tool. It, it, it gave me such energy to, um, to see things differently, to, to release stress, to release anxiety, to get rid of fear. Um, to open me up in different ways and to teach me how to become fierce and not live in fear. So I went back to school. Okay. I became a pastoral counselor as she was, a hypnotherapist, a teacher of meditation, a Reiki master, a life coach. And um, in 1996, I opened up my counseling practice, which was called The Sanctuary, a place for healing the heart within. And then from there, I um, started um, a women's wisdom circle where in a circle we would gather and discuss all the topics that affect us as women. And, um, and we would, of course, meditate as part of the circle. And a lot of these people were count, uh, counseling um, clients. They were coaching clients. There were people that wanted more knowledge, more information. And so that just kept growing. I still have that group by the way. Was it that you were going through therapy, um, working on your PTSD, working on meditation and realizing the impact that it had in your life that made you realize you want to help others? Is that? Yes. Where? Okay. Well, and, and the fact that they, the messages that were given to me was right. I needed to empower women. Right. So to me, that was the message is once you get to heal, Right. You you have to walk the walk in order to talk the talk. So right. I needed a I needed therapy in order mm -hmm. to walk the walk. 
And so one thing led to the other, and I was very fortunate to be able to do all of those things. And then I opened up um, the Work-Life Balance Institute for Women, um, Work and Life Balance, which at the time didn't even exist. People didn't even know what that meant. And one of the products we created was Balance Magazine, which was in the Tri-County Market in Dade Bower and Palm Beach. Um, we we uh, distributed over 100,000 copies throughout. And, you know, it was just, we had BU Radio on 101.5 Light FM. Um, we were on Channel 2, um, you know, with different C-suite individuals. Um, and it was, it's all been women. It's all about women. And we, all the people on the covers were women who had amazing stories. And I tell you, it's been such an amazing ride. I always say nothing is positive or negative. It just is until you give it a charge. Hmm. I love that. And it's true. It's a hundred percent true because people say all the time, Oh, this is bad. I said, okay, now it is. And right. so it shall, and so it shall be. It's really those things in our life um, that happen to us that help us align with our purpose. Um, do you feel like you are now truly living your purpose? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, um, I, I would have never, ever picked this path had it not been for the gift that I was given. It's given me such joy to see the lives that I've been able to change, the people that I've been able to connect with. The, I mean, I get letters and emails all the time of what, you know, the teachings and the work that I do and how it's changed people. So I would not change it for anything. And I think sometimes too, it's about kind of facing that fear. I mean, I think sometimes the things we want the most are the things that scare us the most. So it can be very difficult to face those things and kind of lean into it. And a lot of times, many of us end up kind of running away and choosing the safe option. Um, so I think that that's a really great point. I know you're all about empowering women. Um, 2020 has certainly been a challenging year for I, everyone I know. I'm sure most of us from whether it's financially, for emotionally, physically, in every way. Um, can you kind of talk about what you're seeing, how you're working with, um, you know, some of the women that you, you work with and kind of just how all of this is maybe impacting us as, as a whole? As a, as a life coach, I coach a lot of C-suite women and counselor. I've encountered um, a lot of people right now that are what I would call in perpetual state of stress. Mm. And unlike other times, um, it's, it's not the same handling this kind of stress and or how to cope with this kind of stress um, because it really is in a, like a survival mode for some people. And um, it, it doesn't matter if they have money or if they don't have money, if they have a house, you know, it's really a mental yeah. scenario. So I tell people to, to really get in touch with um, different kinds of strategies to calm them down. And of course, meditation is to me the most important strategy. But it's also create a daily um, um, routine because a daily routine will get you out of bed. Hmm. Sometimes what happens is you get stuck in bed in fear and you're depressed and it changes your perspective. If you, if you for instance, I have a dog I can't ignore. So my daily routine is I have to walk my puppy in the morning. 
I have to feed him. He's like a baby. And um, so that's a routine. My second routine, before I even get up and walk him, I've now meditated for 20 minutes in the morning. That already starts a grounding and um, a feeling of, of um, calmness mm -hmm. and knowing that, you know, whatever comes my way, I can handle. Then I write for about five minutes, three or four things that I'm grateful for. And that really also just continues that process because the more you write what you're grateful for, the more these things show up in your life. Even though you have them, they continue to come up and you continue to have them. Um, um, but what I do know is that, and I heard someone recently say this, luckily storms don't last forever. Are we as people experiencing trauma because of this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, trauma comes in many forms, mm -hmm. you know, physical, mental, emotional, on so many different levels. And I think there's a lot of people that are going to have serious emotional problems and they're going to need therapy mm -hmm. because they, it's very hard for them to deal and or, you know, alcohol or drugs. Think about, you know, what's going on. They're self-medicating, they're self-soothing. And I always right. say, my superpower is meditation. And I hope that that's the superpower that people are able to connect with for themselves. If you can do that twice a day, also turn off the news. Right. Also watch it maybe in 10 minute blocks once or twice a week to get whatever you need to get because it's 24 hour news and it keeps repeating anyway. So mm -hmm. turn off the damn news so that you get that out of your head. Dance, you know, write down, write, read, do things that are positive, um, exercise, um, organize your house, do things. If, if in fact you're able to work at home, that's a gift into itself. So that creates also a routine, get dressed, put on makeup, put on your clothes as if you're going to work, but you don't have to go anywhere. You're zooming. How perfect is that? So that creates a routine. Um, so, you know, there's many ways to skin this cat, but you really have to have your mindset that you want to and that you want to find a way to to get through it mm -hmm. i know we had briefly touched on this before um i think i i hit record here but we talked about you know covid19 and the grieving process um can you kind of touch on that a little bit and what is it that we are grieving i know a lot about grieving my daughter passed away two years ago from from cancer and, um, you know, grieving is a, again, it's on many levels. Mm -hmm. We're grieving, we're grieving not just um, for COVID-19 and people or death of a family member. We're grieving for what our life used to be like. I have 12 grandchildren. I'm grieving not being able to hold them and, and kiss them all up and be with them and play ping pong and doing the things that, you know, a grandma would want to do pick them up, take them to the pool, take them to the beach. I'm grieving all of that. So we're all grieving on different levels about different things, right? I'm grieving I can't go get my hair colored. It's silly, but it's true. Right. So you have to you have to kind of look at it from everybody is grieving on some level about something and not just something, but many things. Mm. As our life really has changed so quickly, mm. so radically, so unexpectedly that nobody really even understands or knows 
you know, what's coming, you know? And in Florida, now we got the hurricane season. You know, stress is really a silent killer. Mm. And people don't realize how stress um, really affects our sleep. It creates fatigue, it creates burnout, anger, depression, um, increases our blood pressure. I mean, it goes on and on. So people really, that's why I so, so um, carry the flag and tell people meditation will solve all of those problems. Now, I know meditation, we're very lucky that we live in a, in a, at a time where you could just hit YouTube and find 14 million different forms of meditation. Um, and the truth is, for me, meditation has always been about focusing on your breath and getting in touch with that quiet breath, no matter what's going on around you. You can't quiet your mind because people say to me all the time, oh, well, I can't stop what I'm thinking. I can't meditate. And I always say, it's not what you think it is. You know, you've, you've kind of convinced yourself it is what a certain, you know, it's in this box and I can't be that. The fact is children can meditate, you can meditate. And if you're breathing, you can meditate. Hmm. So, you know, it's just a matter of wanting to. And the people that I have taught to meditate have it literally has changed their lives in, um, in so many different ways that, you know, you don't know it until you really get in touch with it and do it. And I always say, just give yourself, put a timer, just breathe for a count of four and then exhale for a count of four. Fill your lungs and fill your belly and hold it for a count of four and then exhale like you're blowing up a balloon for a count of four. Put a timer on for five minutes and do that. And if you have thoughts, that's fine. It's about coming back to your breath and focusing and then build that up up to 20 minutes. And if you want a guided visualization or if you want something that has the birds and the bees and the noise in the background, that's fine. It's all, it's very personal because everybody, you know, enjoys um, de-stressing and calming and reducing that, that anxiety, if you will, and fear in different ways. So we want to get rid of that fight and flight stress that's constant right now in every one of us. I'm no different, hmm. by the way. But thank God I meditate every day. And so that really just kind of gives you that feeling of, you know what? It's okay. I can deal. I can't change what's happening outside of me. But, all I, but I can change what's happening inside of me and how I respond and how I react. And it sounds like that's something that any of us can implement right away in our lives. Immediately. Yeah. And if you learn that, that really will change everything about whatever it is that's going on outside COVID-19 and the hurricane season. We're all in survival mode right now. Really, we're really living in survival mode. We just haven't realized it. And that's part of that griefing, grieving process is that um, there's just so much to handle, so much to cope uh, on so many different levels, right? Our family, our friends, um, thank God for Zoom. You know, where we can see and talk to people, seriously. There would be no humans. Imagine, I don't know how they did it in 19, 1918 when this happened. Right. 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 When people really were in, in isolation. So right. we're very, I mean, we, we are lucky in different ways, but, you know, we've never encountered anything like this. And so we're all kind of living through and walking through this together. 
Is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask or any other helpful tips that you think would be important for people to keep in, in mind or at the top of their minds as we're all kind of dealing with this right now? A routine, meditation, gratitude journal, and um, you know, stay in touch with your friends and family because what happens sometimes also in isolation, you disconnect. Not yeah. a, you know, so if you're not connecting, have other people connect with you. I say three to five people a week in your family you need to connect with, even if it's for 10 minutes to say hi. It'll change them, but it'll also feel better for you. And emotionally, right. it's, a, it's a huge feeling. And so, you know, these are just little things that will help us feel more in touch so that the world is not falling, you know, we're not falling off the cliff and the world is not ending around us. I know that there's so much more that we could all learn from you, Susie. I really appreciate it. You are an author. You have so many resources. Go ahead and tell everybody how they can learn more about you, connect with you, all of those good things. Thank you. Well, I was very lucky to write a book. It's called Getting to Forgiveness, What a Near-Death Experience Can Teach Us About Loss, Resilience, and Love, with the foreword written by Gloria Estefan. And um, so you can do that at... uh, www.gettingtoforgiveness.com. And um, I also have two guided visualizations, meditations, with the music of Grammy-nominated musician Stephen Halpern. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's got incredible metaphysical ambient music that is just really um, from another planet, right? From another world. Otherworldly would be a good word. Anyway, so... You can download that for free on my site and, uh, you know, sign up for my um, Beehive weekly um, quotes that I send out to give, to keep you, you know, positive. And um, I'm happy to speak to anyone who would be interested in, in uh, connecting with me as well. There's a, there's a place on my, on my website if you'd like to connect with me. I'll be sure to link to all that below in the show notes so everyone can refer to that quickly and easily and be sure to connect with you. Find your book. 100% of the proceeds of my book sales go um, to uh, all the nonprofits in Broward County. Ah, that's beautiful. I love that. And that was from the get-go, from the minute I, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. that money is not why I wrote the book. I wrote right. the book so really I could change some lives, teach people about forgiveness meditation, and my life story as well. So um, I hope they pick up a copy and know that all the proceeds go directly to Broward County local nonprofits. I love that. Thank you so much. I mean, your story is such an inspiration and I really appreciate you being so open and, and candid about sharing it. So thank you. Thank you, my love and light to you and to your audience. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I feel was inspiring, uplifting, motivating with Susie LeVan as much as I did. You know, sometimes I think it's it's the challenges and the struggles that we have in our life that sometimes show us the light and lead us down the right path even more so than those positive experiences. So I thank her so much for sharing all that she did. Make sure to connect with her, find her information below. I'd love to see you back next week right here. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Also connect with me on LinkedIn. And hey, I'd love to hear what you think. So leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy.